This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 161, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, April 16th and 23rd. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is episode 161. It's the Comic Reviews episode for the weeks of April 16th and 23rd. Uh, the uh, show has... Uh, haven't, hasn't done a lot of reviews episode recently, so I'm trying to get back onto a weekly schedule. Anyway, so I'll be looking at uh, two weeks' worth of comics. Uh, I'm going to be breezing through them a lot faster than I normally would, just because there are a ton of comic books to talk about. Uh, so let's talk about April 16th's releases first. Um, first, we have uh, none other than Amazing X-Men number 6. Um, so I guess Jason Aaron's not quite done yet. He's about to be, but... Uh, this is kind of starting off his last real uh, run on the X-Men. Uh, this issue is by, let's see, Cameron Stewart. Um, it's All in the Family Part 1. So we have Nightcrawler coming come back to, you know, the man... Uh, not the... Uh, yeah, I guess the mansion and uh, him dealing with Azazel and uh, kind of being welcomed back by everyone, um, whether that be his mother or Cyclops or all the other X-Men. Uh, I really, really dug this this kind of first issue. Uh, well, not first issue, but the first issue of the arc. Uh, the arc by Cameron Stewart was actually pretty good. I liked the whole idea with Azazel. Um, Nightcrawler and uh, Wolverine kind of getting reacquainted at the end of the issue. I just thought it was an extremely strong issue. A lot of fun. Um, the return of Nightcrawler definitely feels like a, a tonal shift in terms of how some of the X-Men stories are being written. Uh, it's too bad Jason Aaron won't be writing them anymore. I was going to give it a 9 out of 10. Uh, then we have Batman number 30. As we continue to move on through Zero Year into the final act by Snyder and Capullo. Uh, I just thought that the entire thing has been gone on far too long. Um, so this is Savage City Part 1. So Batman wakes up and things have really gone to hell in... Uh, in uh, Gotham, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of the idea of kind of the, the Dark Knight Rises, where everything's kind of cut off, and what happens to Gotham when it's cut off from everywhere else. Uh, but here, it, everything kind of goes feral. Um, they, there are some kind of cool Batman moments here, but I just, and it definitely is probably one of the stronger chapters that I've read, but I'm still not quite a huge fan of this arc, but I will give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, then we have Batman and Wonder Woman number 30 as we continue the, I guess, what was it, the Hunt for Robin uh, storyline that's going on, uh, which is very reminiscent of kind of the, first you had Batman kind of dealing with grief and wanting to find a way to bring back his son, and now he's going up against Ra's al Ghul, who's basically trying to bring back Damien. Uh, this issue is by Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. Uh, Gleason, at times, her, the characters look very... Like, the first shot of Wonder Woman, she doesn't look very good at all. Like, I get kind of the idea of his, that he's trying to make with the Amazons, but I just found that the art was a little, almost bulbous at times, but his art on Bruce Wayne was actually pretty good. So the idea that Batman and Wonder Woman go into Themyscira, uh, Paradise Island, to try and find a Lazarus pit that may or may not have been hidden so that they can stop uh, uh, Ra's from trying to resurrect Damien. It's a nice little team-up with Wonder Woman, and uh, I thought the, the ending was quite nice, and I can't wait to see what happens next with Batman vs. Roz. Uh, so this continues to be one of the best Batman books I think that's out there, and um, yeah, Tomasi is, is really doing a great job. Speaking of Bat books, we have Batman Eternal number 2. 
This is the new weekly series, and I gotta say, I really, do, I'm really enjoying this. Uh, this issue was really interesting because we don't really know. There's someone in the background who's kind of who's kind of helping to pull the strings, and it's not until the very end that we realize that's Carmine Falcone or Falcone. Um, it's written by Scott Snyder, James Tini in the fourth, Ray Fox, and uh, John Lehman, uh, with artwork by Tim Seeley and Jason Fabok. Uh, I love Jason Fabok's, or sorry, Tim Seeley is one of the writers. So Jason Fabok doing a great job in the art. I uh, really dig in how this is done. Uh, the whole idea of Gordon kind of being framed for something. Uh, there's still a lot of questions that are there. At times, I feel like this almost feels like a pre-New 52 Batman crossover in the best way possible. Um, I just, this is a really fantastic read. Excellent artwork. Keeps you guessing. Uh, I'm, I'm in for the long haul. This is... Uh, a lot more than perhaps I was expecting originally when this was announced, but I'm loving it. I gave this issue a 9 out of 10. Uh, then we have Birds of Prey number 30. Oh boy. Um, so I read this mainly because Arousal Ghoul was in it. So it's written by Christy Marks, with artwork by Robson Roca. Um, you know, they're up against Roz. I haven't read the last few issues, but it was kind of an interesting mind game between Arousal Ghoul and uh, Black Canary. I wasn't really sure if I liked how Razaku was portrayed here or um, visually because I didn't think it really fit with how he's been portrayed in uh, Batman and. Um, but it, it wasn't a bad issue. It's just a weird issue, and I, I I just don't get this book sometimes. What it's what it's trying to do. I'm gonna give it a six and a half out of ten. I'm probably being a little too harsh, but uh, it's okay. I I did enjoy it. Uh, then we have Hulk number one. Uh, I don't know what to think of this. Um, I didn't read the last little while of Indestructible Hulk, so now we have uh, the Hulk instead. Uh, it's written by Mark Wade still, with artwork by Mark Bagley. Um, if you see the, uh, I guess the variant cover of uh, Hulk kind of being like uh, Donkey Kong throwing barrels at Shield Agents, hilarious. Um, so I guess Bruce Banner was shot, so now the surgeon's trying to save his life. Uh, and, and potentially mess with his brain. Um, not everything is, is as it seems. Uh, I like the idea here as well that um, Bruce Banner, you know, has kind of been taken out and seeing what it might do to the Hulk and then seeing at the end the idea that there's irreversible brain damage on Bruce Banner. Um, I'm liking this. It's an interesting direction to go. That being said, it just seems like such a huge shift from where... Mark Wade had taken the character previously in Indestructible Hulk that it was almost jarring. But definitely a great, um, you know, kind of way to start the book. Uh, at times, it was a little bit too much on the kind of showing the origin and kind of bringing you back through the origin of the character. That being said, it's someone's first issue, and because it's Hulk number one, it's probably a lot of people's first issues, so it's not a bad idea to kind of take that opportunity to really explain the character's history. Uh, next up is, I just realized, I'm giving a lot of 8s and 9s and good reviews this week. I mean, I, I should be a little harsher. Uh, Justice League 29, I wanted to not like this, but I actually found it really enjoyable. It's by Jeff Johns with artwork by Doug Monkey and, uh, and Keith Champagne. Um, it's actually a lot of fun. It's really a story about, um, you know, the Metal Men and Cyborg going up against The Grid, who's the evil cyborg, basically. Uh, who took over uh, during the Forever Evil storyline. Uh, the whole showdown is actually pretty awesome, and uh, the artwork is fantastic by Monkey. Um, the visual design on the redesigned, slimmer Cyborg 2.0 is fantastic. Um, 
it's all going to be, I guess, concluded in Forever Evil number 7, but no, this was really cool. I liked seeing how Cyborg's kind of dealing with um, who he is, um, like, kind of within his mind, and, uh, yeah, really, really cool action sequences. The Metal Men did a great job. Uh, sorry, Jeff Johns did a great job really bringing the, the Metal Men back to life here. Uh, really entertaining. I'm going to give this an 8.5. Um, probably one of the better issues of Justice League I've read in a while. Uh, then we have Miss Marvel number three. I continue to really love this book. Uh, my friend and a previous guest of the show, Leonor Alana, had given it a shot. And it's by uh, Woodrow Wilson. Sorry, not Willow. Willow Wilson. G. Willow Wilson, not Woodrow Wilson. Not the President of the United States. Don't worry. It's G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfona. I like the sensibility here. Um, it's kind of the classic Marvel sensibility of, you know, it's very human. Uh, very human portrayal of... This girl suddenly gets powers. What does she do with that? Um, yes, she happens to be, you know, a Muslim as well, which just kind of adds to more layers to the character in terms of it's not it's you know there's also cultural issues that she's having to confront as well. Um, I this is just extremely entertaining. There's a lot going on here. Uh, at the end, she gets shot. Like I, it's potentially slow moving. Uh, it's not your standard superhero comic, and that's part of what I really like about it. And I feel like I could give this to male and female readers, and they would still connect with it. In fact, I think it's a really strong female-centric book in that um, you know she's not doesn't look like your standard superhero, and that's okay. And that's part of what makes it, and unfortunately, unique. But it also makes it special. I really dug this issue. I gave it an eight out of ten. Apparently, I'm just a little softy because everything this week was good. Uh, then we have Nova 16, which kind of uh, ends the current storyline with uh, Nova and um, Beta Ray Bill going up against Skarn, who isn't the most interesting villain, but it uh, keeps the story moving. It's by Jerry Dugan with artwork by David Baldion. Um, you know what? I enjoy it. it, I give it a, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. It wasn't the strongest issue by any means. I think it was... But it was fun and enjoyable, and I really like how Sam Alexander is being written. Uh, I do kind of miss the Earthbound stuff, but it was kind of a nice story to see, and the idea of, uh, you know, the sense of home, as well as, uh, you know, um, maybe the idea of Sam's dad still being out there somewhere, so, I mean, there's a lot going on here, and I, I did enjoy it. Uh, that brings us up to Sinestro, number one. Uh, I think feel like the time has passed in terms of this book being as resonant, because, I mean, Sinestro's kind of off the board right now. Uh, so Colin Bunn wrote it with Dale Eaglesham doing the artwork. I love Eaglesham, so I mean, he elevates this above instantly. I do like the idea that more and more, Sinestro's been given more of a physical presence. I mean, back in the day, he was kind of a skinny, gangly, you know, odd, ugly shape kind of uh, villain, and now he's much more kind of uh, substantial. He's not buff, but uh, he's a physical threat, and seeing him kind of reclaim uh, Sinestro Corps ring here and the idea of him kind of reclaiming the core as well is kind of a great idea. I'm interested to see where they kind of go with Sinestro um, and how he's going to deal with Saranac being a prisoner of Arkillo. Uh, really cool stuff. Uh, again, the artwork to me is a huge draw. Uh, the story was surprisingly enjoyable and really made me kind of care what was going on. Uh, next up was Supergirl number 30. I gave it a six out of ten. I mean, it was all right. I just feel like I don't, I don't, I haven't really been reading this like nonstop. The idea of her being a Red Lantern is interesting, um, but 
the stuff on Earth I found uninteresting, and uh, dealing with like Guy Gardner and the idea. There's a lot of kind of retrospective and um, lookbacks, and I just found the forward momentum of this story to be a little bit lacking. Um, so I'm actually going to give it a five out of ten. Uh, the artwork was by let's see, Emanuela Emanuela Lupacino with art with the story by Tony Bedard. I do kind of like. Guy Gardner's dirty new look, but other than that, I mean, there wasn't a lot that I was really that interested in reading in this book. Um, and we have Superior Spider-Man 31, which, I mean, really could be its own episode, and I think at some point I'll probably want to look, sit down and really look at Superior Spider-Man in a bigger picture, uh, in terms of the entire run. Um, the issue felt rushed. Uh, it's by uh, Dan Slott and Christos Gage. Well, Christos Gage did the backup with artwork by uh, Giuseppe Camincoli. Um, I found it to just be kind of perfunctory that we just kind of rush through things. Uh, I didn't feel like this was a... This isn't what I was expecting. This wasn't the story I was hoping for. In some ways, it's not really an issue of Superior Spider-Man at all, because that effectively ended last issue, which is kind of disappointing. Um, sorry, I'm just looking. It looks like the backup is actually by Christos Gage and Will Slinney, who's, I believe, the upcoming uh, uh, Spider-Man 2099 artist. Um, so, I mean, here we have Spider-Man going up against Green Goblin. I do like the artwork by Giuseppe Camincoli, but I found the writing to be a little bit lackluster. And I think the problem is that uh, everything seems a little too easy. And at the end of the day, why did Spider-Man, why did Superior Spider-Man, why did Otto give up the, you know, his life, basically, uh, to Peter? He did it because he thought that Peter could do something he couldn't do. I don't see anything here. I mean, when Spider-Man finally confronts the Green Goblin, um, you know, in order to kind of protect Anna Maria, I, I, he doesn't even, like, go to protect her right away. He just kind of throws, uh, like, or deflects a, a batarang, um, not a batarang, but a goblin bat, whatever they're called, um, so that it would help her, she can free herself because she can look after herself what? Like, what does this mean? And then the big reveal of it, the Green Goblin being Mason Banks, who's now Norman Osborn under a different face, really stupid. Uh, it's like there's nowhere else that they could take the Norman Osborn character, so now he doesn't even look like Norman Osborn, which in some ways I don't think is something he would ever do, because the character is egotistical to a fault, and yet he's going to change his face uh, just because everyone knows who he is and what he's been. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I quite bought it. Um, the whole idea of him now being out there and uh, Norman not being mad anymore because he's cured of the Goblin Serum. Uh, isn't that basically the Hobgoblin then? Isn't, like, isn't the Hobgoblin just uh, a superpowered goblin who's not crazy? But now we have a goblin who doesn't have any powers at all and he's just an aging Norman Osborn with like a weird chest wound and now has like a ridiculous mustache. Um, I just found like this was bothersome. Uh, there's some a lot of weird decisions. The whole thing just happens way too quickly. So much just kind of happens out of nowhere. It, it doesn't feel like the ending that really was deserved for those readers who stuck with this. And that, that really ham, ha, uh, ham-fisted, you know, someone had to die line on the last page of the uh, main story was kind of weird too. And why is uh, Anna Maria so upset? Like, as far as she knows, Peter's fine. Uh, and he's not dead. So... I just think the whole thing was a little lacking. And in the backup, 
it was all right with Peter kind of connecting with M, uh, MJ and Aunt May. And, but really, what is the point of MJ at this point? She's like, well, I'm basically going to go and do things on my own. And Carly Cooper is the most criminally under or badly used character. For no reason, she took forever to try and put together a case to prove that Peter Parker was no longer actually uh, in the mind of Spider-Man. And then she gets infected, becomes monster, which is a ridiculous idea that I never liked. I really liked the character, and now she's got weird, messed up eyes, and she's apparently leaving. So she's not even going to be around. So after all that, what the hell? What was the point of any of it? And it looks like Jameson basically resigns. Um, and, uh, so he's no longer you know, the, um, the mayor of New York City. And it looks like I guess he'll go back to the Daily Bugle somehow. Um, I don't know. I, again, the issue just felt a little bit too easy at times. And... I don't know, it just, it just felt like we were going through the motions, and maybe we'll get something really great with Amazing Spider-Man that comes out next, uh, tomorrow, but I, I don't have a lot of hope for it, so I'm going to give this a 5 out of 10. I The artwork, to be fair, was really good, but the story left a lot to be desired. Uh, next up is Uncanny X-Men 20. Uh, I haven't really been digging, digging this book for a while, but this was a lot better. Uh, it's by Bendis and Bacallo. The idea of uh, X-Men versus S.H.I.E.L.D. Cyclops is pretty badass here in terms of messing with Maria Hill. Um, the blob kind of figuring out more about with da- uh, Dazzler and uh, where they're getting the you know, MGH and stuff from. Um, there's, I, I like where this is going. I like that you know Cyclops is really wondering about what the hell's going on, and maybe it's Beast who's helping someone send Sentinels after him. The last page was very confusing though because I wasn't really sure what was happening. But other than that, it was a pretty strong issue. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Uh, probably the best week of comics I've given in a while in terms of most of the reviews have been pretty high. Uh, Winter Soldier, Bitter March number three, continues to be extremely entertaining. You know, I feel really stupid, though, because I didn't realize that Ran Shen is the Iron Nail, and so really this is not even a Winter Soldier series, but it's an Iron Nail prequel to the current Cap America storyline. Um, the artwork remains really enjoyable by Boshi. Uh, it's written by Rick Remender. Um... It's got a, a very, like, almost 50s-ish, 50-ish 50-ish, uh, art style. Um, it's, kind of, it's, it's silly and enjoyable. I like seeing this kind of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent versus the Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier really is more of a, not a force of nature, but he's just kind of a plot device almost. He's not really a main character because we're not in his head, and he's just an adversary. So it's, it's kind of a weird misnomer to even call it Winter Soldier the Bitter March, but it's not really about him at all. Uh, I will give it an 8 out of 10. A lot of it's just because the art and the way the story is being told is really enjoyable. Uh, Wolverine number 4 by uh, Paul Cornell and Ryan Stegman. Um, This continues to be actually quite enjoyable um, and surprisingly so. This issue we see again more of the flashback to Wolverine finally making the decision to leave the school. Um, More about him joining up with Offer. Uh, we also see that there's actually uh, a shield kind of thing going on, and more. It, there was more here than what meets the eye. Um, not a lot moving forward here in terms of momentum, but we get a little bit more backstory, kind of setting up where Wolverine's coming from, and then also the reveal that he's actually doing things on purpose as part of a mission. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Uh, the artwork by uh, Stegman is great. Wolverine the X-Men number 3... Um, I gave it a six, uh, maybe a five and a half out of ten. Not a huge fan of this whole Phoenix Corporation story. I like the idea, the kind of future idea of what's going to happen with uh, Apocalypse, but 
there's a lot of other things in here that I'm just not really digging. Uh, then we have X-Men 13, uh, Remains, a fantastic book by uh, Brian Wood, with our work by Clay Mann, who is just brilliant. Um, I'm not really sure who Shogo's father is going to end up being, but it looks like it's going to be an interesting story. I love the whole M working out with Rockslide. I believe that's Rockslide's his name. Uh, I really like how Psylocke's been written in this book. Um, the X-Ladies are fantastic here. Uh, I, I just don't think they've ever really been necessarily been written better. Brian, I'm not really that surprised because Brian Wood is fantastic. Um, the backup story, I guess Bromo Superior, I was not as big a fan of. Uh, although I really did like the main story quite a lot. Um, so moving on. Uh, so I'm going to give that a 7 out of 10. The backup kind of brings it down a little. Books I didn't have a chance to read for April 16th include Batwoman number 30, Deadpool vs. Carnage number 2, Green Lantern New Guardians 30, Harley Quinn number 5, Red Hood of the Outlaws number 30, Smallville Season 11 Lantern number 1, Thor God of Thunder 21, Trinity of Sin Pandora number 10, Ultimate FF number 1, Unwritten Volume 2 Apocalypse number 4, What If Age of Ultron number 3, Wonder Woman 30, X-Force number 3, uh, and that is it. Uh, moving on to April 23rd's releases, we have, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to read everything that I wanted to, but uh, I'll see what I can do here. We have All New Invaders number four. Um, I like this because, you know, it was kind of a, where you get to have uh, the fight between, who is it, Icarus and the, uh, the Invaders. Uh, we have a, a character seemingly die, but there's actually more going on behind the scenes. Uh, Robinson does a great job of playing with expectations and what's really going on. Uh, Pew does a great job on art. Um, this was actually really enjoyable and fun. Uh, I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. Robinson continues to do a great job. Um, then we have, unfortunately I did not have a chance to read Aquaman 30, so I can't speak about that yet. I also didn't have a chance to finish Avengers Undercover number 3, so both books will be... Um, Maybe at some point in the future I'll talk about them, but it won't be on this podcast. Uh, Batman Eternal number three remains really well done. I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. Uh, the artwork is fantastic. Um, the storyline remains really well thought out. Uh, again, Tinian the fourth, Snyder, Ray Fox, and John Lehman and Tim Seeley are writing it. Jason Fablock is just killing it on art. I don't know how he's still doing this. We have uh, the spoiler show up uh, and kind of interrupt a meeting with. Uh, uh, her dad, the Clues Master, and some other villains. Uh, we have Gordon in jail. Um, the Penguin is visited by Batman. Uh, we have the idea that Falcone is really making his presence felt with a, a kind of a gang war that the police are going to kind of get called off of as um, the mayor is in Falcone's pocket, and then so is the police now, and Gotham City's war on, Bat- on Batman's about to begin. Uh, this was great, and it's really setting the stage for something exciting. Uh, it's got a great sensibility to it. I mean, it's just thrilling. Um, really, really well done. I didn't know how I felt about a new weekly series that DC was going to try out, especially when there's going to be three of them soon. Uh, this one, Future's End, and I can't remember the other one. Um, but this is fantastic, and Fabok again, is really proving himself to be a, a favorite new artist of mine. Um, not that, I mean... I've enjoyed his work on Batman already, but it, I continue to be so enamored with his work. Uh, Batman Superman number 9 continues the First Contact storyline. Uh, again, not a big fan of the art, and the story, I think, is taking a little bit too long to get to the point. Uh, it's Greg Pak and Jay Lee here. Um, 
the idea here that finally Superman and Batman are starting to remember the first arc in this book where they met their alternate versions of themselves before. Um, they're trying to, um, you know, stop a villain, but at the same time, uh, you know, maybe that the villain might have the, uh, the key to unlocking Earth 2 for Power Girl and Huntress. Uh, I'm going to give it a, I don't know, a 6 out of t a 5 out of 10, actually. It was just the art I don't like, and the story, I think, took too long to get to the point, if there was one. Uh, Daredevil, number 2, absolutely fantastic. I'm going to give this a 9.5 out of 10. I'm really loving the new status quo for uh, Daredevil in San Francisco, and him and Kirsten. Um, it's just so well done, so well thought out. Uh, the art here is fantastic by Chris Omni. Uh, the, the use of the shroud and then going up against each other. This was just excellent. Uh, it's really highly recommended. And then we have Electra number one. I'm going to give this an 8.5. This is a fantastic new uh, new book. Um, I wasn't sure about how I felt about it, uh, mainly because it, it didn't necessarily feel like when they were talking about it in previews, like it was going to tread a lot of new ground. That being said, it has a nice job of kind of explaining who the character has been in the past and then trying to move forward. There's a lot of similarities to Black Widow in terms of the idea of taking on jobs. Um, the artwork is absolutely breathtaking and gorgeous by Del Bundo. Uh, Hayden Blackman doing a great job in the story. I am totally in. Cannot wait for issue two. Um, so I gave that an eight and a half out of ten. Uh, unfortunately, I did not get a chance to read Fantastic Four 3, Flash 30, Guardians of the Galaxy 14, or Iron Patriot number 2. Holy crap, what did I even read this week? Um, so moving forward, I guess I just ran out of time. It happens when there's so many releases coming out. Uh, Justice League United number 1. Ugh, I'm going to give it a 6. It probably deserves a 5.5. I mean, it's supposed to, it was originally going to be called Justice League Canada. It obviously ended up not being called that. A lot of the issue is um, the man who will become well, Adam Strange with Animal Man and uh, Stargirl investigating a, the disappearance of his fiance in Canada and then ended up getting involved with Martian Manhunter and Green Arrow. Um, Mike McCone, this is far from his best work. This is probably the worst Mike McCone work I've seen in quite some time. Uh, Jeff Lemire's script... It doesn't feel that solid, and I think it's a, a little bit too much setup, and it takes a little bit too long to get to the point. Um, yeah, I'm going to give this a flexion, and I'm going to downgrade it to a 5 out of 10. Uh, then we have Manhattan Projects, number tw uh, was number 20. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Nick Patara, fantastic art. Love the story by Jonathan Hickman. This is Einstein the Barbarian. Uh, seeing what happened to the Einstein that we saw last, what, issue 4 or so? Um, his kind of endless quest to, uh, along realities to destroy Joseph Oppenheimer. I'm a little sad that Joseph Oppenheimer, you know, he was subjugated by his brother and then his brother was murdered. That, I mean, Robert Oppenheimer cannot catch a break uh, in Manhattan Projects at all. I'm really interested to see what the next phase of the book will be like. Um, the seeing Albrecht Einstein get a makeover was interesting too. Uh, I'm really interested in seeing these two kind of play off each other going forward and I'm wondering if we'll get to see more of what Feynman thinks of what's happened in, in that the Albert Einstein he thought he knew was actually Albrecht Einstein. Um, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Fantastic as always. Uh, original Sin number one, uh, 0. Very good. I mean it's not really starting the event because it's more of just a a little bit of a precursor, seeing a little bit more of uh, Iwatu's past and uh, 
through his relationship with the current Nova, Sam Alexander. Uh, Jim Chung does an excellent job with the artwork, as always. Um, so this was this was quite enjoyable. I guess Paco Medina apparently does some art here, but I would honestly would be hard-pressed to, to point it out to you. So 9 out of 10 for Original Sin, number 0. Secret Origins, number 1. Unfortunately, I did not have a chance to read. And so then Uncanny Avengers, let's talk about that. Um, I found this to be, you know, not the not the strongest issue. Just I didn't think this was the best artwork by Akuna in this storyline. That being said, I, I did enjoy it. Um, uh, I I love the alternate you know versions of the characters. Um, I'm really interested to see the, what they're gonna. You know, it's kind of a Days of Future Past kind of idea that they're gonna try and put the uh, consciousness of the surviving Unity members into their past versions to kind of avert the future. Uh, a lot of cool ideas by Akuna and Remender being put on the page. So I'm gonna give it an eight out of sorry seven point five out of ten. As I said, not the strongest issue, but still very good. Uh, you know, I'm actually going to say maybe that deserves just a 7. Um, and then also we had uh, Superior Spider-Man uh, team up, the last issue. Uh, now, I I did enjoy it. I didn't realize until afterwards, I went back and read, what, Spider-Man Unlimited number 4 or 3 or 4, I think, from the 90s. I didn't realize that this character had already kind of been there and uh, Mary Alice had been the subject of a, another storyline of him trying to find a cure um, I mean, I really, I did dig this, um, I was able to get past my continuity issues with this issue, because it addressed them less, it was less about continuity, it was more just kind of telling a story, whereas the other one felt like it was trying to position things in a different way, uh, Kevin Shinnick wrote it with Ron Friends and Sal Buscema doing the pencils and inks for most of the issue, with Marco Cicchetto doing a few pages as well, um, I'm sad to see it go, but Superior Spider-Man 12 was definitely, sorry, Superior Spider-Man Team-Up, uh, was definitely a good issue to go out on. In some ways, I think it was a better issue than Superior Spider-Man number 31. Uh, so I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. A very old-school art, and I loved it. Um, books I didn't get a chance to review include All-Star Western 30, Aquaman 30, Avengers Undercover 3, Catwoman 30, Dead Boy Detectives number 5, Dexter Down Under number 3, Fantastic Four number 3, Flash number 30, which I believe kind of spoils a little bit of the Wally West stuff. Uh, Gardens of the Galaxy 14, Iron Patriot 2, Justice League Dark 30, Marvel Feliz numbers 10, Mad Magazine 527, Marvel Universe um, Ultimate Spider-Man 25, Powers Bureau number 9, Red Lanterns 31, Savage Wolverine 17, Secret Origins number 1, Superman 30, Teen Titans 30, Teen, which is the last issue, Teen Titans Go number 3, Thunderbolts 25, and What If Age of Ultron number 4. Uh, looking ahead... Uh, to this week, so this week uh, comics are coming out on Wednesday April the 30th uh, in terms of the books that are coming out this week that are notable, uh, just some books that uh, I want to take a quick moment just kind of looking at um, so let's see from DC Comics in this coming week we've got a, a Batgirl Annual uh, Batman Eternal number 4 obviously uh, we've got Flash Annual number three, which is, uh, I guess this is supposed to be the first real appearance of Wally West. Uh, Forever Evil Aftermath, Batman vs. Bane number one. You have uh, an annual for New Gar Green Lantern New Guardians. Um, I guess this is because it's the fifth week. Uh, you have Superman Batman Trade Paperback Volume 1. I believe this is the, uh, um, I think this is supposed to be an oversized collection. I'm not really sure, but it's also going to have uh, the original Jeff Loeb uh, McGinnis uh, storyline from Public Enemies. Um, 
image-wise, uh, yeah, I knew. Uh, sorry, uh, first trade paperback of Secret. Uh, you have uh, a Dream Police number one coming out. Should be interesting. And uh, let's see. Then we have Marvel Comics. We have new issues of Old New X-Men. You have the hardcover for Old New X-Men Volume Four coming out. Uh, the big release is Amazing Spider-Man number one. Uh, you have new issues of Avengers and Avengers World. Uh, for those reading the Deadpool by Daniel Way Complete Collection, Volume 3 comes out. Hulk number 2 releases. You have uh, Marvel Zombies Complete Collection number two, Volume 2 coming out. New, a new issue of New Avengers. Another new issue of Origin 2, which I'm just not a big fan of. You have the annual for Uncanny Avengers, which is the annual number 1. Uh, Silver Surfer number 2. What If Age of Ultron number 5. Um, X-Force number 4. And the second trade paperback of X-Men by Brian Wood, uh, which is called Moratus. Um... Just to uh, talk about some things I just had come in the mail today that I'm super excited about. I got my Uncanny X-Men on this volume two. I got my Dared my first actual epic collection. Um, they, as I've mentioned before, they started this format last year. There's a bunch that I've been meaning to buy, but I finally got my first one, which was uh, originally solicited as Daredevil Fall from Grace, reprinting Fall from Grace and Tree of Knowledge from the uh, early to mid-90s by Chichester and uh, McDaniel. Uh, they then rebranded it as the Daredevil Epic Collection, uh, as I think Volume 18, which is, I guess, the 93-94 year. Uh, it's interesting that they're finally kind of decided to do Daredevil after all, and they're actually expanding to a, a few other product lines. Uh, for those who read the Amazon Fishes and the Hachette uh, book catalogs, and you like going to places like MarvelMasterworks.com, this may not be a surprise that um, that they are starting to kind of expand beyond just the main lines we were originally told about for the Epic line. Um, and I also got the, the Uncanny Avengers hardcover volume 3. Uh, so those are some things that I just got. I also have coming to me this week, Superior Spider-Man volume 4. Although I really, I already have it digitally and in singles, but uh, something about also having it in trade paperback on my shelf. Um, so that is, uh, that's everything new with me. The next episode of the show will be episode 162, which will be the Amazing Spider-Man review episode. Uh, it will be uh, me sitting down with probably Chris Lucas. Uh, he seems to be confirmed for that night. Uh, I'm not quite sure if Tibor Mate will end up being able to be on that show, but he is traditionally one of our movie guests as well. Uh, if you want to email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, please do so. You can also like us on Facebook. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes, please. It's a way to help expand the base for the show. And please also subscribe to us on iTunes. Also, we have post usually some threads on HC Realms. Um, please uh, you know, get part of the conversation. If you want to give us a comment, you can do so there as well. Uh, so uh, thank you for joining me for episode 161, and we will catch you next time for episode 162, The Amazing Spider-Man Movie Review. Bye-bye.